Hey there, folks. Welcome to Rock and Rally Tennis, where it's all tennis, all the time. I'm James Lynn. Follow us on Twitter at Rock and Rally. That's Rock underscore and underscore Rally. And on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Rock and Rally Tennis. This is podcast episode number 201. Welcome to another segment of Just One Tweak. Inspired by our fans, Just One Tweak is a segment where I share my thoughts regarding a tweak or refinement I would make to a particular player's game if I were part of that player's coaching team. So let's get started. This is Just One Tweak, segment number two, Felix Auger-Eliassime. Now for anyone who has seen Auger-Eliassime play, you'll agree that you know, he's got an incredibly bright future ahead of him. He's currently only 20 years old and already inside the ATP Top 20. He's 6'4", he's got size, reach, mobility, he's super athletic. And he's now being coached by Tony Nadal, Rafa's uncle, and just scored a nice victory over Federer on grass at the Wimbledon tune-up tournament in Germany, where he reached the semifinals. Now, it's worth noting, <laughs> that tournament is one where Federer is a 10-time champion. Now, since Auger Eliassime turned pro in 2017, I've seen about 20 or so of his matches. Now, aside from his gifted physicality, the size, power, quickness, and athleticism, one of the things I noticed very early on was something about his forehand. Now, let me take a quick step back and provide a little bit of context. Now, Auger Eliassime has reached the finals of eight ATP Tour-level events, but has yet to capture that elusive first title. And if you're a fan of Auger Eliassime, you, you're probably aware that his forehand has a tendency to be erratic at times. You know, some of the tennis analysts and commentators have pointed to questionable shot selection and perhaps over-aggressive play from Auger Eliassime on that forehand side as possible explanations for why the errors can pile up on that wing, particularly in big matches and in big moments. Uh, they've also commented that uh, perhaps the moment is too big for him at this early stage of his career. Now, certainly some of that may account for a portion of his forehand errors, but in my view, it does not explain away the vast majority of the errors he commits on that forehand wing. If you watch his matches, whether, you know, whether it's an early or late round match in any of the tournaments he's played in to date, you can probably find some of his matches online, by the way. I mean, what you'll notice regarding his forehand is that he actually makes a fair share of errors on relatively routine forehands where he is in a neutral or you know, even more favorable position in the rally, and he's not trying anything ridiculous or overplaying a shot and so on. So what could be the possible explanation for the forehand errors? Now, let me provide a little more context. As it pertains to forehands, you know, we teach players to keep their non-racket hand on the racket until they have completed a full or full unit turn and racket takeback, at which point the non-racket hand separates or comes off of the racket as the loop or forward swing begins. Now at the club and recreational level, we are always underscoring the importance of keeping that non-racket hand on the racket until the unit turn and racket takeback are completed. The reason why is that most recreational players have a tendency to stop making their unit turn and take back as soon as their non-racket hand separates from the racket, thus resulting in an improper or partial unit turn which leaves their front side or shoulder open. So, Getting back to what I noticed early on about Ajay Eliassime's forehand, he has a tendency at times of separating or letting go of his left hand or non-racket hand from the racket throat a little early, 
which leaves his right hand or racket hand holding the racket by itself for a split second longer before he begins his swing. Now, why is that a potential issue? Because the longer you hold on to the racket with one hand, the greater likelihood of unnecessary tension creeping into that hand and wrist. Now, what happens when Ajay Eliasim's left hand comes off of the racket early is a little different than what I just described happens to club and recreational players when they separate their non-racket hand from the racket prematurely. In Ajay Eliasim's case, his unit turn and racket takeback are perfect and complete. Moreover, he does a great job of keeping his left side and shoulder properly closed when his left hand separates from the racket until it's time to fire open that front side. Completing a proper unit turn, racket take back, and keeping his front shoulder closed are non-issues for him when his non-racket hand separates from the racket. So, what is the real issue? Oftentimes, when his left hand separates from the racket, his right hand or racket hand has not yet initiated the loop or forward swing. In other words, the racket is a bit stationary for a split second before it begins to move. It's in these instances when his forehand has a higher tendency to get a bit erratic. His best forehands are struck you know, when there is greater fluidity from his left hand or non-racket hand separating from the racket to the initiating of the loop or forward swing. In other words, when he goes smoothly into his forward swing immediately upon his left hand coming off of the throat of the racket. When there is a slight pause or break in that motion, that's when we begin to see a lot of forehand errors. Now, there are plenty of examples you can find. Again, you can easily locate some of Ajay Seems matches online somewhere. A few specific examples that I'll reference at this time. The tournament in Cologne, October 2020. Semi-final against Diego Schwartzman. Second set, sixth game, third point. 2020 U.S. Open, fourth round versus Dominic Team, Opening game. Ajay Eliasim sprayed four routine forehands. 2017, the Challenger event in Drummondville, quarterfinal versus Alex Diminar. First game at 40-40, the second and third forehands hit by Ajay Eliasim. Actually, his left hand released slightly earlier than other forehands. Then he missed a routine rally ball forehand on that third forehand. And also, third game of that same match, at 40-15, he missed a routine forehand from the baseline center of the court. Again, with plenty of time and so forth. And a couple of other matches that come to mind were his first round loss to Nishioka at the 2020 French Open and the round of 32 loss also to Nishioka at the 2019 BNP Paribas in Indian Wells. And look, watch the matches and specific references for yourself. And when you do, pay particular attention to when his left hand comes off of the racket relative to when his loop or forehand swing actually begins. And then compare those forehands to the bevy of quality forehands he hits throughout the match. I'm confident you will see the subtlety of what I've pointed out about his forehand. And by the way, I, I want to make sure there is no misunderstanding about my earlier references to club and recreational players. In no way, shape, or form am I comparing Ajay Eliasim to a club or recreational player. Obviously, he's world-class. With that said, the one thing all athletes understand and have likely experienced, whether we're talking about a world-class athlete or just a player at the local park with great footwork 
hand-eye coordination, stamina, physical strength, feel, creativity, etc., is that tension is the ultimate equalizer. And on that note, I'll make one final point. I respectfully disagree with those opinions out there that Ajay Aliassime's forehand goes off track, particularly in big matches, because those moments may be too big for him at this early juncture of his career. Frankly, I have not seen that watching his matches. If anything, one of the aspects I admire about his game is his on-court demeanor. The moments just do not seem to be too big for him. I absolutely believe that whatever issue he may have with his forehand at this time is mechanical in nature and is easily and completely fixable. Well, that's all for this episode, folks. Thanks for joining us at Rock and Rally Tennis. Please subscribe to our podcast at rockandrallytennis.com. I'm James Lynn. See you next time.